5 tonight, Matthew 5, and uh, took us a little while, but we're going to reach the end of this series tonight, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 10. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 10. I've enjoyed this time we've had together to uh, look at a heart unto him and looking at the heart of a disciple and the different hearts that God would have us to have as we follow him, knowing that tonight if we want to be different on the outside, it begins on the inside of our heart. And if you want to be a better disciple, uh, then you're going to have to have a better disciple's heart. And we've looked all the way from verse 3 now. We're going to end up tonight, verse 10, 11, and 12, and finish up the series. And I'm excited about uh, being able to finish it up. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of a sad to be finishing it up because it was a blessing to me, and I hope the Lord has spoke to you through it. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you again for your word. Bless it tonight. I pray that, Lord, we would be willing and submissive to whatever your will is tonight. And, Lord, I just pray you would work in us a work that we would be different disciples because of, Lord, what you're going to give us tonight. And we'll glorify you through it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I went back uh, this afternoon and was looking at the different hearts that we have looked over. And uh, it's interesting when you see how God is starting to mold his disciples, his newly minted disciples, into who he would have them be. And it's neat when you go back and you start reading through the Gospels after Matthew chapter 5. And it's amazing when you begin to see some of the fruits of these different hearts that he's giving them show up in their life. And I want you to know as a pastor, it is a blessing to me just to be able to watch Christians grow. And you watch the Word of God begin to take effect in their life, and you begin to watch the Word of God work from the inside out, and their lives begin to change because they have taken the Word of God, and as David says, they have hid it within their heart. There's nothing wrong in the world with memorizing Scripture. I think it's great to do that, but we've got to hide it within our heart and let that Word of God begin to work in our heart that it might change us on the outside. And so let's real quickly go through the list before we get to the last one tonight. We saw in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. There was the empty heart. Verse number 4, blessed are they that mourn. That was the broken heart that disciples will encounter sooner or later. As you follow Christ, your heart will be broken because you're a disciple. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. This was the soft heart, a heart that is still moldable by God. Verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those who have a hunger and a desire for the things of God. Verse 7, we saw the merciful, that was the open heart, that heart that makes room for man as God made room for man with the mercy seat. Verse number 8, blessed are the pure in heart. This was the right heart, and we saw the importance that we must be right with God, and we must be right from the inside out, not as the Pharisees try to get it right from the outside in. Verse 9, we saw last week, blessed are the peacemakers. This was a tough one, as we learned last week, how to make peace. Then tonight, we're looking at one I think is very important. Blessed are they which are persecuted. There's something interesting when you get to verse number 10 is you see a little bit of change in focus and you see a change in the mood. 
where in verse 3 through verse number 9, you see a lot of the things that Christ wanted them to embody in their heart. I want you to have the poor in spirit. I want you to be those that mourn in the heart of the meek. But then we get to verse number, uh, verse number 10, we begin to see that he's giving them something that not only are they going to have to embody, but something they're going to have to endure. I'll be honest with you, it's, it's definitely wonderful goals to shoot for the things through verse number 3 through verse number 9. But when you get to verse number 10, this is not something I want to embrace. I mean, how many of us tonight want to raise our hand and volunteer saying we're, we're going to take a bus and we're going to go to a place where we're going to be persecuted for our faith? I think we'd be tough time finding some takers tonight. Uh, that's not something I look forward to. Look, I think it's great to, to try to work toward being poor in spirit. That's something admirable we ought to work toward. I think it's something we ought to work toward being meek. That's a good thing, but wait a minute. He kind of changes the mood in verse number 10 saying, blessed are they which are persecuted. This is not something that we're naturally going to want, but I believe tonight this is why Christ saved it for last. I don't know. He may have started with verse number 10 and had trouble getting through the rest of them. So he started with verse 3, the easy ones, and gets to the tough one in verse number 10. But here's what we see tonight, and this is important we need to understand. When he's talking about blessed are they which are persecuted, he's really speaking about the endurance of a disciple. Now think about it. What good is it to be poor in spirit? What good is it to be meek? What good is it to hunger and thirst after righteousness? What good is it to be merciful? What good is it to be pure in heart if you don't last? It's no good. You've got to be able to endure persecution because, folks, tonight, we've got to be able to finish this thing out with those other things in verse 3 through verse number 9. I read a, a story this week, and I, I think we have a picture uh, up here that will kind of represent that in just a minute. It was about during the Olympics, back uh, the Greeks and the Romans, when they were really big into athletics, and something I really had never understood about them is that we have the Olympic torch race that we see every four years as the Olympics come around, and they, they run and they carry the torch, but where that developed from was something interesting. They had a race that they would run. It was a relay race that they would run with the torch in their hand. Now, it wasn't just about winning the race. You see, you had to win the race with the torch still lit. Kind of interesting. We look at the Olympic torch race where you run the torch and you finish the race and you light the cauldron. Here is something interesting. This is just a freebie, okay? When they would finish the relay of the torch, they would take the torch and they would light the fire underneath the altar of the false god. Isn't that ironic? When you look at how much sports is worshipped in America today. But here was the deal. That was a freebie, okay? It had nothing to do with the message, okay? I know you amen on that, and I appreciate it. It had nothing to do with the message. That was just a freebie, okay? Maybe one day we'll preach on that a little bit longer. But here was the point. You could go through the entire race and finish the race, but you were not declared the winner because, unless your torch stayed lit. Now tonight, understand these things in verse number 3 and verse number 9, through verse number 9, those are admirable things, and he calls us to those things, but those things are worthless if we can't finish our race. And so tonight, this thing of persecution and enduring persecution is of the utmost importance. Folks, look, there are people of God tonight all over this world that are suffering for the cause of Christ. We see it not only in Middle Eastern countries, we see it in countries uh, that used to embrace the Word of God. But persecution is slowly creeping across our world for those who name the name of Christ. I don't know if you read the book, but I believe we have it back there in the bookstore. You ought to get it, The Trail of Blood. The Trail of Blood, it gives you a time period. It breaks up into different sections of history and shows you how many people of God have given their life for the cause of Christ. Now, if we're going to finish our race with the torch lit tonight, 
Uh, we're going to have to understand to embrace the wounded heart. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The last heart is the wounded heart. And I'll be honest with you, this is not something I look forward to. This is not something that I'm excited about. But I believe by the time we get to verse number 12, we'll understand why he says rejoice. I believe tonight we'll see just why persecution is something in the end you'll be able to take pride in. So look at verse number 10. We're going to jump into this if we could. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Now, before you can accept the, uh, the wounded heart tonight, before it's something that you're going to want to embrace, we need to understand just a little bit of why we're going to be persecuted. The Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The first thing tonight I want you to see is the point of persecution. What is the point of persecution? You know, I think we all probably know what persecution feels like a little bit. Look, if you're some of the first people in your family that has accepted Christ and are trying to live by the will and the word of God, you may have suffered a little bit of persecution in your own home. I think we have seen what different uh, signs of persecution, the forms of persecution that it comes in. And I'll be honest with you, I even know how to persecute people myself. I've been guilty of it before when we ridicule our own people. But what's the goal in it? Now, this is something that, that opened my eyes a little bit as we were preparing for the message this week. When you look up the word persecute, you'll find it has a root in the word pursue. The word persecute and the word pursue in the English language have a similar root. And here's what it means. To make run, to put to flight, or to drive away. Now let that sink in just for a moment tonight. That persecution, the definition is to make run, to put to flight, or to drive away. Now understand this tonight, the point of persecution is how the world lets you know that you don't fit in. Think about that. To push away, to drive away, to pursue persecution and how the world lets you know that you do not fit in with the world. I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 23. Uh, I believe we have it tonight. We'll put it up on the screen. Matthew 10, 23, the Bible tells us that Jesus says, if you're persecuted in one city to flee into another... That through persecution, you have been pushed out of your town, and you're having to flee to another. Matthew 23, 34. The Bible talks about being persecuted from city to city. The Bible is showing us that persecution is those who look at you because of who you represent and what you represent, and they say, you do not fit in here, so through persecution, we're going to push you out. So the point of persecution tonight, understand this, I'm going to give you a couple of things under point number one. Persecution is how the world reminds us that we don't belong. Persecution is how the world reminds us that we do not belong here. Now as painful as persecution is, can I tell you, there's something right when the world tries to tell you that you don't belong here. Now let that sink in just a little bit. I don't like persecution. I don't like being picked on. I don't like being the odd guy out. That's what persecution is. When you get pushed out, who likes to be the last person picked to play basketball? I wouldn't know what that feels like, but some of you could probably tell me about it after the service. No, I know what it's like. Nobody likes to be the odd guy out. Nobody likes to be the guy that's pushed out, but listen close. Tonight, there's something good and there's something right when the people of God suffer persecution because we don't fit in with this world. That's what persecution, by the way, ought to show us a little bit of, that we don't belong here. I don't know about you, but I, can, uh, I have a tendency to want to fit in. I do. That's why, you know, so I'm trying to, you know, trying to grow my hair back, back here in the back. You know, I don't want to stand out as a bald-headed guy. I see how bad some of you guys get picked on. I don't want to be a part of that club. I want, I'm thinking, I just want to fit in. 
I know what it's like. Look, I don't like being pushed out. I don't like being the odd guy out. But listen to me, as a child of God, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself trying to settle in and become part of the groove and part of the crowd. I believe tonight that God uses persecution oftentimes to remind us that we don't belong here. That's what persecution does. Blessed are they which are persecuted, those that are pushed out. It's the world telling us, listen close, I told my wife this afternoon, it's the world saying, go out from among us and be ye separate. Let that settle in. When we don't take it seriously, come out from among them and be ye separate, I think God lights the fire up a little bit under us, and through persecution, the world is telling us something we have yet to embrace, that I'm not supposed to belong here. I'm not supposed to fit in here. I'll tell you, to be honest with you, persecution is a little bit of a badge of honor for a Christian. But don't be one of those people who goes around hating on everything, okay? Uh, the Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. Now, as a matter of fact, I think tonight you ought to worry just a little bit if you are embraced and accepted by the world. There ought to be a little bit of a red flag or a little bit of alarm go off every once in a while if you don't suffer persecution. Because what does persecution say? Persecution says, you don't belong here. I'm trying to push you out. We see it in our country. I mean, we've even got to the place to where we're taking granite slabs that have Bible verses on it, and we're trying to fill in the holes that were chiseled out that honor God. What are we trying to do? We're trying to push God out. Why? Because in the world today, God doesn't fit here. And by the way, neither should we. The truth is tonight, there's something wrong if you're never persecuted. There's something wrong if you're never persecuted. There's something wrong if the world accepts you enough that it doesn't have anything to say about you and the world never tries to push you out. Years ago, we had a dog. This is before we got on the bad streak of killing animals somehow that we do. And uh, we had this dog, and the dog had puppies, but the dog had a little runt. You know, that, that little fella that just doesn't have enough, you know, get up and go to survive. And so our mama dog uh, started nuzzling the dog away, would not let it nurse. And all the other puppies were over there, and they're nursing, and they're getting strong, and that mom just kept pushing that little puppy out. It was just, it was heartbreaking. And the little dog would try to walk over and, and come over and nurse on the mom, and the mom would bark at him. And the little dog would kind of shrivel up, and then the mom would bump the dog and try to scoot it out of the way. What was she doing? She was letting him know that she did not accept him. She was letting him know that she did not want him there. She was letting him know that she wanted him away from her. Now, folks, tonight, there's something wrong when the world doesn't bark at you every once in a while. There's something wrong tonight. I'm just being, look, I'm not saying you ought to be one of those contrary people who's always mad at somebody, but listen to me. There's something wrong when the world embraces you and accepts you into its culture. Something wrong when we're not persecuted every once in a while. I want you to turn with me tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about disciples, correct? We're talking about the heart of a disciple. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to look at one of the greatest disciples or followers of Christ that we've ever seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look down to verse number 24. Let's read about the Apostle Paul. The Bible says, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. That means five times Paul was beaten 39 times. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. 
Listen to this. In journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness, beside those things that are without, that cometh to me daily the care of all the churches. Verse 33, he even goes on to say, and through a window and a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Now look, I don't know tonight of any greater follower of Christ than the Apostle Paul. If there was someone who followed Christ to the fullest and who had the heart of a disciple, it was the Apostle Paul. And we just read about the persecution he went through. I mean, every town that the Apostle Paul went in, he was kicked out of. Every town, every city, every audience that he had, somebody wanted to kill him. Why? It was because of what he represented. Tonight, what we believe and what we represent ought to create a little bit of persecution every once in a while in our life. And look, it's the world's way of telling us we don't belong here. I don't know about you, but I need reminders sometimes. Bless their heart, the Sunday school teachers were in there waiting on a meeting for me to come and, and talk to them earlier. I'm just sitting at my desk having a good time in the Word. And uh, Brother Rent comes to the office and says, uh, Sunday school teachers meeting. I said, when was that? He said, five minutes ago. And I get up and go to the Sunday school teachers meeting and try to say something spiritual off the top of my head. I, I didn't have nothing. Man, I, man, I didn't got comfortable. I didn't got relaxed. I needed somebody to remind me. Now, sometimes as a Christian, we need a reminder. Sometimes we need to get stirred up just a little bit. And God uses persecution to remind us, look, don't get comfortable here. You don't belong here. And hey, if the world's trying to shove you out, and the world's trying, hey, look, I've seen people be pushed out of their own families. I've seen it. Listen, I've seen people, I've seen good godly people get pushed out of a church who no longer cared about righteousness. I've seen people get kicked out of their families, their churches. Look, I've seen people even get deported from countries. Why? Because of what they represented. It was just an opportunity to remind them this world is not our home. The Bible calls us strangers and pilgrims. We don't belong here. Look, you get picked on because you act different, you dress different, you talk different. Hey, that's not a bad thing. It's just reminding you you don't belong here. And that's what persecution so often does for us. Also, we see, I'm going to hurry in the book of Acts chapter number 11. The Bible says this, in Acts chapter 11, that after Stephen was stoned, let's turn there together. I hear some of you turning, let's turn together. Acts chapter number 11, look down if you will to verse 19. Acts chapter 11, verse number 19. Listen to this. Now they which were scattered, dispersed, pushed out, abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now here's what verse 19 is so important. Verse 19 is so important because it's speaking of the death of Stephen. Stephen, as we know, the book of Acts, the record tells us he had his brains beat out because of what he stood for. They, did, they could not even hear what he had to say, and rather than just run him out of town, they just killed him. Oh, you're talking about somebody who didn't belong here. It was Stephen. And yet, the Bible says that through the persecution of Stephen, people were scattered. And when they were scattered, guess what they did in the cities that they went to? They planted churches. God used the persecution. 
So you see, God not only uses persecution to remind us that we don't belong here, but God uses persecution to remind us that, hey, you still got some work to do. It's easy to get comfortable. And sometimes, as the Bible says in Deuteronomy, God has to be like that eagle stirring up our nest makes it uncomfortable. I called a, a couple of our pilots today to make sure I had this right. Look, I go through a lot of trouble to give you illustrations, so I hope you appreciate them, okay? I mean, I made phone calls, verification. I had to make sure we got this right today. So I called a couple of pilots, and they, they verified this, that most of the time when planes are up in the air today, they, they fly off of autopilot. That's kind of scary, and, you know, they're just kind of kicked back, feet up on the dashboard, you know, playing, you know, Angry Birds or something on their phone. And every once in a while, those planes will fly into turbulence. I'll be honest with you, I do not like turbulence. You want to see me uh, get into an intense prayer meeting with the Lord? Let us go through some turbulence. I don't like it at all. I try to put on a strong face for my wife, but I am scared, to be honest with you. I don't like turbulence at all. But here's what they said. I asked them this question. They verified this for me this afternoon. The pilots will be sitting back, taking it easy, resting, and letting the plane just cruise on autopilot. When they get into bad turbulence, it's when they sit off and they take it off of autopilot and put their hands on the controls and begin flying that plane again. I think tonight that too many of us get, get used to Christian autopilot. We're just kind of on cruise control through this life, and God sometimes sends a little bit of turbulence for us to get our feet off the dash and put our hands back on the controls to do the job that he called us to do. We see that in Acts chapter 11, through the persecution of Stephen, people were scattered and they went and they planted works. And you notice one of the places was called what? Antioch. The place that they were first called Christians. One of the things that I love, I was reading this afternoon, and is in Hebrews chapter 13. And I'm going to read it for you. But listen closely to this, please, and let this sink in just a little bit for you. Hebrews chapter 13. The Bible tells us about the death of Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, when you look down to verse number 12, the Bible says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, listen close, suffered without the gate. Christ was crucified outside. He was pushed out of the city. Listen close. Verse 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. Hey, when the world tries to push you out of the city, hey, you're in good company because so they did to Christ. And the Bible says, let us go unto him outside the camp and bear his reproach. Listen, if he could suffer being pushed out of the city, then listen, by the grace of God, I can suffer as well being pushed out of the city. Blessed are they which are persecuted. The point of persecution is to remind us that we don't belong here. But notice real quickly, what do people have against us that they persecute the Christians? Uh, the Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. You see, what is about us that they don't like is the problem, number two tonight, of persecution. What is their problem? You ever had somebody that didn't like you and you couldn't figure out why? Some of you people don't like me and I still haven't figured out why yet. You need to go after the service and tell me why you don't like me. I'm picking. As far as I know, some of you, I'm not sure, but uh, maybe. The problem of persecution, listen to this. The Bible says it's what we represent, righteousness. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. Now watch how this works together. Persecution is the world saying there's no room for righteousness. 
They are pushing out righteousness. This is why 2 Timothy 3, the Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're suffering because of godliness, righteousness. I don't know if you've pulled your head out of the sand lately to notice, but this world doesn't want to have anything to do with righteousness. It is amazing what this world is accepting. I read an article the other day about uh, they're having drag queens come and read to our children in public libraries all over America. The pictures were just frightening. And yet the world is accepting of that. Why? Because it's not righteous. And yet the Bible says we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, I will tell you this. It may make you feel just a little bit better. Listen, it's not personal. It's not personal. It's principle. It's not you, it is what you represent, and what you represent is righteousness. Now listen, folks, tonight, there's a temptation to think that when I go through persecution, something's wrong. Oh, no. When you go through persecution for righteousness, nothing's wrong, something's very right. Because the world's once again telling you, you don't fit in here. I'll give you another definition. The word righteousness means this, the state of him who is as he ought to be. The state of him who is as he ought to be or the condition acceptable to God. As a disciple of Christ, as a follower of Christ, which you and I say we are, we are supposed to be representing what is acceptable unto God. You see, you represent the standard of right. And when you go out and you live publicly, what thus saith the Lord, now there's something to compare to. And when they compare their life to your life, it makes their life look pretty rough. Do you know what they do? Rather than get their life right, they get rid of the right standard. That's why you see so many people getting rid of the Word of God and changing the Word of God. It's because they looked in the mirror of the Word of God. They didn't like what they saw. And so they chunk this one and find one that shows them that they want to see. You see, you're not getting things right. You're just getting rid of the standard of what was right. That's why they killed Stephen. It wasn't personal. Look, it wasn't the ball team that Stephen pulled for. Look, it wasn't Stephen's hairdo. It was what Stephen represented. This is why John chapter 3, Jesus says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. You see, we are the standard bearer. We're supposed to be. The Bible says we are servants of righteousness. The Bible says that we don't have our own righteousness, but we've been given the righteousness of God through Christ. And we wear those robes of righteousness, and we're to be the standard bearers of righteousness. And you go out there in the world. I noticed something the other day. We were in the, in the toothpaste aisle, and boy, has toothpaste come a long way since I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, it was just neat to have sparkles in your toothpaste. And man, now they have black toothpaste. It looks like charcoal and all this stuff that was there. And they had this little neat little thing on the back of the toothpaste box, and it was a chart of what color your teeth were. And it started all the way over here to like, I can't believe it's not butter, all the way over here to, you know, like bleach white. And you could compare, you could hold the box up, and you could compare your teeth to the standard that was there. Now, we look at our teeth and say, man, my teeth are white. But then when you compare them to a real, truly clean, bleach white standard, you realize it's not as white as I thought it was. So what do we do? We get rid of that toothpaste box. That's what we do. No, we go buy a better toothbrush, a toothpaste, don't we? Say, I need something better because I compared it to a right standard, and the right standard has showed me that I need to do some work on this, and so, you know what? I'm going to do some work on it. But know the world that we live in, let me tell you what they do. 
They look at you and I, which are supposed to be the representatives of righteousness, the ambassadors of God. And they say, you know what? Rather than me change, I'm just going to get rid of the standard bearer. That's why we see people being martyred for the cause of Christ. Because there's no room for righteousness in the world that we live in. Persecution is the world's attempt to really put out our light. Okay? What does the light do? The Bible says all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. That means in order for things to, be, to show up that need to be fixed or changed, we've got to have light. The light exposes that is what it does. And so when you have light, it shows you just how dirty you are, and it shows you just how unclean you are. But man, in the dark, we all look pretty good, don't we? So what do we do? We look in the mirror in the morning when we wake up, and we don't like what we see. Amen. Every morning of my life, you see more and more hair in the bottom of the shower. It's just a sad day. So what do I do? I just turn the light off, and everything's okay. No. My wife does. She turns the light off. No. I fix what's wrong. You see, the standard of the mirror has shown me who I am, and I realize that I'm not what I need to be before I show up at the office. And I got some work that I need to do. And I, and, I, and I clean up just a little bit and try to brush the few hairs that are left up there where they need to be and get them in place. But the world doesn't want to change. So what do they do? They get rid of the standard bearer. Now, real quickly tonight, understand the point of persecution is to push you out and tell you you don't belong here. And we don't, thank God. We don't belong here. The problem of persecution is simple. The Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Can I ask you this real quickly tonight? When was the last time you were persecuted for righteousness? Let's be honest. When was the last time you were persecuted for righteousness, for living right? Look, I'm not talking about persecuted for your ball team. I'm not talking about persecuted for your political opinions. I'm talking about persecuted for righteousness. When was the last time somebody ran their mouth about you behind your back or maybe even on social media because of the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you act, the way you raise your kids, the way you're faithful to church? When was the last time we were persecuted for righteousness? Because I'm going to tell you something. Your light gets bright enough, sooner or later, you're going to attract some bugs. Isn't that kind of neat how that happens? A little light shining just a little bit, ain't a whole lot. Man, you turn that light on. Hey, look, this is South Mississippi. There's bugs in them woods we've never seen before. Buzz by your head, think it's a helicopter come flying over there. What happened? That light got bright enough. It brought out the bugs. I believe tonight, listen, our lights are not shining bright enough to bring out any persecution. Our light's not shining bright enough to expose any of the sin in this world. Look, it's not us and our righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. And our witness and our light that we shine in the righteousness and the right standard that we're supposed to bear is supposed to make the lost world a little bit uneasy. But the problem is tonight, they're, they're comfortable with us. Why? Because our light is turned down to low. Remember this thought before I give the last thing tonight. If your light is not shining bright enough to attract persecution, it's probably not shining bright enough to make a contribution. Okay, can you remember that? It took me a while to come up with that, okay? So I'd appreciate it if you'd write it down. If your light is not shining bright enough to attract any persecution, your light is probably not shining bright enough to make any contribution. My dad will tell you here tonight, as a kid, my brother and I were notorious for stealing the batteries out of his flashlights. Some of you kids need to get right with God tonight for, for being just as much a heathen as I was. And uh, dad would go to get his light, and we put the batteries back after we were finished with them. 
The power would go out at the house, and Dad's trying to find, you know, how to go down and start a generator or something. He'd turn his light on, and it's just barely glowing yellow. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you couldn't even cast a shadow with it. No power. It was useless. And tonight, I believe most of us tonight, our life is so far from the standard of righteousness of the Word of God, we're not even casting a shadow. That's why there's no persecution. So number two tonight, the problem of persecution, what they have against us is the fact that we represent righteousness. But here's the good news. Look on down in verse number 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Now watch the last three words of this. For my sake. Now these are red letters. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what's interesting. The point of persecution is to remind you you don't belong. Look, I can take a little bit of pride in persecution tonight because it's just reminding me I don't fit in here. I don't fit in this world. Number two, the problem of persecution is righteousness. Righteousness and our living the righteous standard of the word of God. Look, this is not all about us. This is about representing God. As we go out, it ought to make the world a little bit uncomfortable. But the the most important thing is verse 11, and I love this. Persecution is something you can be proud of because the Bible says in verse 11, for my sake. The third thing I want you to see tonight is the person of persecution. The person of persecution. If there's anything that will make it easier to accept the wounded heart is to realize who you're accepting it for. So I don't want to be persecuted. I don't like being talked about. I don't like being whispered about. I don't like people posting things about Facebook and you really know that it's about you. You ever been there? Amen. You know, I see it all the time. I'm like, I caught that. I'm not as dumb as you think I am. I saw that was there. Hey, I don't like being persecuted. But when it comes to realizing that I'll face persecution for Christ's sake, you know, that makes it a little bit easier to bear, doesn't it? I was thinking tonight about people that I would die for. And don't come up to me after the service and ask if it was you. Let's just pretend it was, and we'll all feel better about each other. And I was thinking about my wife and my daughter. You know, if my daughter was standing out in the middle of the road and 18-wheelers coming through, and the only chance she had to live was for me to jump and push her out of the way, I can honestly say tonight before God, I'd be glad to do it. I'd be glad to do it. I'd be glad to go through that suffering and that pain. I'd be glad to die that my daughter might live for her sake. My dear wife, who I love tonight. Where she's at? She's always moving around on me tonight. She's, there she is. You've got to quit doing that. Moving around. She's messing with my head. Man, I love her. I love her. I'd gladly die for my wife. Gladly. Gladly. Why? So that she could live for her sake. Now tonight, can I tell you what makes persecution a little bit more bearable? Is realizing who you're being persecuted for. The person of persecution tonight is Christ. This is why 1 Peter, the Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial of your faith, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. Some strange thing. Why? Verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. I'm getting to suffer for Christ. Now look, that'll sound like something to get excited about, but when you realize tonight all the suffering that Christ did for my sake, 
Go back and read the crucifixion. Go back and read the flogging. Go back and read the nails. Listen, go back to to read the reviling while he's on the cross and, and stood naked before the world. Go back and read that. And then remind yourself it was for your sake. For my sake. He went through all of that for me. Oh, my soul, could I just take a little bit of persecution for Christ? I'll sign up for it. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But for him, you better believe it. Folks, there's a person associated with our persecution tonight, and it's Christ. Notice it says, for my sake. Remember who you're doing it for. Give you something the Apostle Paul, I believe, motivated him all throughout his Christian walk. Philippians 3, 7, we know the verse well. The Bible says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. Stop right there. Man, all that Paul gave up. Man, what a sucker. Gave up all the opportunity and all of the hierarchy that he had. All of the wonderful acclaim that he had and all the authority and the power that he had. What could be worth counting all things loss? The most important words are the last two words. Paul says, for Christ. For Christ. And you look at all what Paul gave up, the scales seem to be tipped. Oof. You gave up the hierarchy and the education, and you gave up the acclaim, and you gave up all the power. What could tip the scales to make that worth it? And all of a sudden, he puts two words on the scale. For Christ. And all that came with it. Now, folks, tonight, I want you to understand the person of persecution is Christ. I want to show you a picture tonight. Something I stumbled across a couple of weeks ago. It's one of the earliest forms of persecution and graffiti. I think we have a picture of it up there tonight. And it's kind of hard to see there in, in that picture. And so the, uh, we have a shadow of it. There we go. You can see that picture a little bit better. And that's called the Alex Minos Graffiti. It's a piece of graffiti from 200 A.D., I mean, yeah, they had heathens back then making graffiti. And here's what's interesting that on the inscription, you can't read it obviously, but the inscription basically says this, Alexa Minos worships his God. Alexa Minos worships his God. Now, here's what's interesting. You'll notice there's a person on a cross. And there's a young man that is worshiping the person on the cross, but the person on the cross has been given the head of a donkey, which was an insult during that time. It was a slander. It was a persecution. Someone took the time to write about this Roman page by the name of Alexei Minos. And it took the time to persecute him by carving a relief in the wall of him worshiping a person on a cross who they had given the head of a donkey. Here's a young man whose testimony is etched in stone. It was 2,000 years later because he took a stand to be counted with Christ. What would make a young man, a young Roman page, willing to take a stand in a culture that stood against Christ, knowing it was going to be unpopular? I'll tell you, he was doing it for Christ. Persecution has a point. You get persecuted, just chalk it up as the world's reminding you you don't belong here. The world's reminding you you don't fit in here. That's why they're trying to push you out. He said, well, thank you for the reminder. Somebody persecutes you tomorrow for the stand that you take for bowing your head at lunch and asking God to bless your food, for spending a, two, a few moments at your lunch break in the Word of God and you suffer ridicule for that, you ought to thank them for the reminder. Thank you for reminding me that I don't belong here and I don't fit in here. The problem of persecution is righteousness. It's what you represent. 
But the biggest catalyst of persecution is who you represent. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says, in that he died for all that. The Bible says they shouldn't henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him that died and rose again. You see, I'm not suffering for Jeremiah Andrews. I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. If Isaiah chapter 53 tells us he was wounded for my transgressions, he was wounded for me. Now, can I tell you tonight, by all means, I can be wounded for him. He's not asking me yet to go and die on a cross. He just asked me to be a living sacrifice. If I get wounded just a little bit by the words of some and by the looks of others, I'll tell you tonight, we can rejoice as they did in the book of Acts because the Bible says they re departed rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer. Tonight, persecution has a point. Remember this, persecution is the world's way of reminding you you don't belong here, and I don't belong here. The problem is you represent righteousness, so I would beg you tonight, go out and represent righteousness. If you haven't been persecuted in a while, that might tell us a little bit about our righteousness tonight. But then help us keep our focus on the person of persecution, and that's Christ. So watch this real quick. What does persecution do? Persecution is a witness of where we're headed. Persecution is a witness of how we're living, should be righteously. And persecution is a witness of who we represent. So tonight I can take pride in persecution and I can, as verse 12 says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Tonight as we finish up this series on a heart unto him and seeing the heart of a disciple, why don't we pray that God would give us strength to embrace the wounded heart. That we would be willing to suffer persecution for what we represent, for who we represent, and for what we believe. And tonight I believe that through a little bit of persecution, God stirs our nest to realize we're not home and we've still got some work to do. Our heads are bowed tonight.